Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. In this episode, Hillary Klein shares with us key paradigm shifts that had to happen in order for her to embrace a joy-filled, Jesus-led way of life. She also gives us a peek into personal examples of how interacting with God removes fear and creates new possibilities. There might be some words or concepts that are new for you in this one. If so, stay tuned for season three where I'll break down some of these terms and share resources that have proven invaluable on this journey. Hope you enjoy. This is Tony, and I'm here with Hillary Klein. You might remember her name from the previous podcast, if you were able to listen to that on Jesus-led spiritual adoption, um, because I've come to call Hillary my daughter, and she's come to call me mama, and um, so if you want more about that, you'll have to go back to the previous interview, but today I have Hillary with us because she's become quite the spiritual ninja warrior, emotional spiritual ninja warrior (laughs) around listening to God and also living more joy-fueled in her life, so Hillary, welcome, first of all. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) It's great to have you back. Um, And so today I would love to um, ask you really how you've become more joy-filled and Jesus-led in your life. Last interview, you talked a little bit about spiritual abuse and coming out of kind of a difficult relationship with the church and with God. Um, And so can you tell us a little bit about what that journey towards being in a different paradigm, a different reality with God has looked like for you and and maybe helpful resources along the way, but we'll definitely get there afterward. But what does that look like? Well, it was long and hard and exciting, thrilling, invigorating, lots of tears, joy, pain. With more joy comes more pain and growth, obviously. Um, I'd love to say it, it took me a year to get where I am today, but I'm fairly certain it took like eight years, <laughs> which is, is not speedy. If you're uh, looking for a quick fix, you should just stop listening because this isn't quick fixes. <laughs> this is a consistent daily uh, awareness practice, just lifestyle of growing and learning and listening. Wow. Wow. So can you talk a little bit about some key moments that maybe throughout these eight years have been shifts for you um, coming closer to that reality? Yeah, I think the first shift was when we had our intense counseling months, but we were working through a book titled Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You. And I had such a hard time with the title of the book for the longest time. I even remember struggling telling you that I had a problem with the title because it was so ingrained in how I grew up and the culture in which I grew up that my heart is deceitfully wicked. Jesus didn't give me this. He hates 
my heart and my heart is sinful above all else. How can I live from a place that's already dark and dirty and awful? So transitioning to I am uniquely made and I don't have to look like Jesus was a long continual process, but one of the first that kind of rubber banded me like, you know, forcefully out of where I was. Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying is, you know, you almost were raised to believe that your heart was wicked and sinful and to live a Christian life, you had to deny your heart or kind of forget yourself even and become Jesus, almost like kind of like channel Jesus into you and let him live through you because you are terrible. And so that shift of going, wait, 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 Jesus gave, has given me a heart and has designed me uniquely from anyone else on the planet, even from him when he was on the planet. Like I'm, I'm even different from him and he wants to shine through who he's made me to be with the heart that he gave me. <laughs> Is that kind of the, the difference you're talking about? Yes, definitely. And the denial of self, um, it's not, you know, not just the denial of self of, you know, your personality, but also the denial of your body and the denial of your wants and your desires and, you know, your, your progress or your, you know, your goals, your goals shouldn't be selfish. They should be focused on what Jesus would want. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like a kind of a misuse of that, that concept of, or the, the verse, you know, we must take up our cross, deny ourselves and follow Jesus. And you're saying that, that, that the meaning of that was like twisted and used to almost disembody you as a believer too, so that you weren't even paying attention to your own body. Yes. And it is exactly that verse for For those of you listening on the podcast, I'm shaking my head (laughs) with everything she's saying because it was, it was twisted and it was used as a form of spiritual abuse. Wow. So that was one shift then realizing God's put me in a body and he likes my body (laughs) and he's put me in um, with emotions and a heart with desires that actually might come from him. And I'm made in his design. So my creativity is actually from him. And so he wants me to know myself and to know how he's created me and to work with him on what that would look like fully restored, redeemed and alive. And that was, that was probably one of the newest, the first concepts that rocked your world and brought you more closer to a joy-filled Jesus-led lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're going to go in order, I have to be completely honest. And my next step was being completely terrified of that reality and running far away from it and doing everything that like I couldn't, I couldn't do or things that would, you know, really make me unworthy in God's eyes or that he would be mad at me or upset. Now tell me about that. Why would that push you to terrified and rebellious? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, pull myself up from my bootstraps and make myself do hard things, right? Um, it's, a, it's a little different. The motivation is totally different uh, for that denying than kind of what you had been taught, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So I spent, I spent the next couple of years disassociating because I didn't believe it. I don't know if I wanted to believe it. Mm. I believed it would work on, you know, our skills and things that I learned. 
shalom for my body, learning how to breathe, using emotional words. Um, but I just couldn't, I wasn't sure if, if it was true. And, and is it fair to say that there was a part of you that's, that sensed, you know what? I don't deserve that type of love. Like I know, 100%. I know what I've done in my life. I don't deserve to be loved that much. A hundred percent. And that's the old paradigm just still creeping in the like, no, you're worthless. You're a worthless, dirty, rotten sinner saved by the grace of God. You should do everything to please him. Mm-hmm. And what would that new paradigm be then? If that's not the truth <laughs> Let's see here to put it in a sentence, you are you and fully loved by God, no matter where, what, or whatever you may be doing. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So even when we were the most broken, worthless in our own eyes, piece of whatever, God was like, no, 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 you're valuable. (laughs) You're so valuable, even broken, that I'm going to give my life for you because I want you back that badly. Like you're so valuable. Um, You don't even have to do anything. I just want you to receive it. (laughs) So what was the next major step then? I think... I think the next major step was almost simultaneous, but leaning into maturity in a way that is helpful, like actually practical. Um, So maturity was always talked about like, oh, you have to mature and like take care of people. And um, I was a psych major. So like we had the maturity and we're like, we knew what stages um, a child was going through and physically what they should be able to do at this stage and that stage. But we didn't talk about maturity in a community context. Mm. We didn't talk about what's needed, what's lacking and what happens when you don't get what you need. And that, that was fascinating to go through. And that was in the life model, living from the heart. Jesus gave you book as well, right? Was yes, yes. emotional <laughs> maturity. So you were going through a, a site program at a Christian university and yet sensing this deep missing piece of how we emotionally mature and it takes community. Yeah. Yeah. And in that learning, you know, to be in community and to emotionally grow with, with people and around people and be raw mm-hmm. um, was Tony and John White, both of them calling me out as a person. Of, you know, my character, what I brought to the table, who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. No one had really done that in a way where I felt seen. I always felt like judged or demeaned or, you know, given some like, oh, you did this, good job. But like inside, I'm like, oh, that was awful. Thanks for acknowledging me. But like, no. <laughs> so it was experiencing being seen. I pretend to be or who I show myself as. So for you being in relationship with John and myself, that was one of the key things and us educing out what we call educing out your strengths, seeing who God's made you to be uniquely, uh, the, the strength, the beauty, the giftings and calling that forth, which is really a task that parents uh, hopefully would be doing with their 11 year old, 12 year old, you know, in, in those stages of life, but 
most of us don't get those things, right? So for you, you were getting something you never got that brought about more emotional maturity. And so um, it sounds like that was significant for you at that moment. Yes, definitely. Um, it was wild. You know, I had to deal with my own stress and um, just interpretation of what people are saying, learning to listen to what you or John are actually saying and not harboring on my interpretation of what you're saying. Like, listen to what we're actually saying, not to what we're not saying, because I was so good at listening to the underwritten thing and they could be completely wrong you could be telling me i love you and all i heard was i hate you <laughs> it how it's weird <laughs> so i'm hearing too that so what what's so important is that you're in a community where you're experiencing these things in a different way than you've ever had them given to you in the past that helps rewrite that story for you in your mind that that experience is essential that you couldn't have just done that on your own and come to christ you know come back to being jesus led it was like an experience with a community loving you and and being there and patiently drawing you out actually saying i think you're pretending what would you look like if you didn't pretend anymore <laughs> you know what's your yeah. real heart want to do what do you yeah. really like <laughs> not giving me the quote bible answer what what do you want to answer right now that's right yeah that was that was always hard you always <laughs> wanted to tell us what we wanted to hear and that didn't work for us <laughs> oh no, no which was weird because it always worked <laughs> Amazing. That's beautiful. So community was a huge piece. What next? So before we get full on to what next, um, the I know I talked about it in the last podcast, but my upcoming book is going to go into the three stances of recovering from spiritual abuse. And the last one is rebuilding. And that's where the, the community aspect is like, Wow. just mind-blowing and essential and I'll dive deeper into more stories on what that looked like for me what that continues to look like and how to actively seek out and find this type of community wow, wow. healthy community yes yes what that looks like beautiful thank you can't wait <laughs> what what other next step kind of drew you back into even wanting to to have a joy-filled Jesus-led relationship, right? What what was that next step? Because we kind of left you in terrified and and resisting <laughs> and feeling let you know not not good enough. Um and so kind of running <laughs> in some degree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So community there loving you. <laughs> yep. So we talked about the maturity charts and being called out um all at the same time of not really sure if this works for me yet. But the next piece was leaning into believing it. John and Tony don't lie to me. Is this who I am? Is this who I could be? So kind of trusting, trusting that you really could be this beautiful, this amazing, this loved, um, that, that there really could be a heart Jesus has given you that this really could be true for you, not just other people, but for you too. That, that was the invitation you were hearing. Trust, trust, trust. So this really, this really seems to be a tender place for you. And um, I want to be sensitive to that and not press too much, but I also just want to know, could you share a little bit about what moves you 
around thinking about trusting and this invitation to trust. Thank you for acknowledging it, that it is a little hard. I don't know if our listeners can hear, but definitely have had a lump in my throat through most of this. Trusting is so difficult because you have to be vulnerable. It means you you could face some hurt. You could face a lot of hurt. You could be rejected. So it's almost easier for you to live a life thinking you're worthless and then just living out of that pain instead of trusting in something that's so hopeful that then you could get hurt and they could reject you and do that to you. That's like even worse. Yeah. You could either, you know, like you said, living, live out of the pain and just not expect much or not trust, not, not trust and just completely disassociate and numb yourself. So it sounds like that process of the invitation being given and you struggling wasn't a quick process either. Maybe took some time. How much time did it take where you're experiencing the invitation, but you're still mm, doubting that maybe you want to go that way? I mean, so I'm, I would probably say three years, but maybe that's more or less, or maybe it's still <laughs> continuing, but three years. <laughs> I remember those years. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Three years. <laughs> You know, um, this definitely because we were doing the, the adoption thing last week. Yes. If I can, I just, I'll just interject from this. a mother's perspective. <laughs> it was fascinating because I didn't know what was going on during those years internally, right? I didn't know that you were struggling at that level with accepting this invitation and this love. And all I know is that, wow, you're, I see you're in a lot of pain and I see that, um, you know, that you're making choices that are harming you to some degree. Um, and I love you so much, but I knew it was your journey and your story. And the only thing I could do is be a consistent presence of acceptance, love, and joy for you and encouragement or correction when you asked, <laughs> but just that consistent, you know, trying to draw you out, adduce you in love and, and, and ask, ask curious questions at, at appropriate moments. But it was a, a three-year period of just saying, I have to trust God with her story and trust her with her story because she has what it takes to come through this might take three years or five years or however long, but she's going to do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I definitely was just going to mention the relationship that we had together. Because like you said, being, coming to call you mother, me being called a daughter also was a physical representation of trust. Mm-hmm. So if I do this, this, and this, will Tony still love me? Will, st- will she still show up? Like, is this a, wow. do I actually want this relationship? And if you listen to the previous episode, you heard that she adopted me way before I adopted her and I had to test it. And those were those three years, probably just testing to see if one, she could actually handle me two, if she could like me, maybe when I'm at my worst. And it turns out she loved me like what? (laughs) Yeah. So the invitation, when did you decide to jump in? (laughs) What did that look like? Man, I wish I knew like an exact day or like an appreciation memory. It makes sense that it would be just as gradual 
as everything else. So the last step was leaning into trust. The next one was probably, all right, let's just go. If, if this is who they see me as, this is probably who I am. Who else am I? What else do I like? What else am I good at? What else can I do? <laughs> and what do I want to do? Like, that's, a, that's an amazing possibility that um, that question without, without guilt towards it. So growing up, a, you know, a lot of what do you want to do? Is there's the Bible answer and there's like your answer. But in my new paradigm, my answer is just as valid. Yeah, because it might be God's answer yeah, yes, <laughs> in yes. your heart that he's given you. <laughs> exactly. I can just tune in and listen to his peace. You know, how, how they felt about you, you know, how this mm-hmm. at the Trinity felt about you and um, things that they saw in you that you didn't even see in yourself, right? So like this beautiful dialogue with God, our creator, our maker, our father, our, our lover, you know, about you helping you discover yourself. Was that accurate? Do you think that's what I saw? But what was that like for the, for you? Yes, definitely. I think repairing my relationship with them, with God was probably one of the, one of the first things I wanted to lean in on because growing up, it had been, you hear from God when you read and when you do your devotions, um, and then you pray to God, but I really struggled with reading. Bible. I couldn't, yeah, no, 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 with reading. reading at all. <laughs> no, I really struggled with reading. Wow. I couldn't focus. I couldn't sit down. I had ADD, wasn't diagnosed, <laughs> but I just couldn't read. I also had dyslexia, which also added into that. I couldn't read. Wow. So I was in a system that valued reading the Bible and I, I struggled to read it, like physically read it. And then like the own guilt of I'm not reading my Bible enough. I can't get enough information. I can't get enough knowledge because I can't read it well. I can't spend hours reading. I can only spend 10 minutes. And my 10 minutes is, you know, nothing compared to the hours that some people spend in it. So I was doing a lot of judging of my own self and like comparison. Um, But when I learned that I could listen and attune with peace itself, it just washed away. Even now, like as I'm telling this, when I attuned to peace, my legs stopped shaking. (laughs) The knot in my throat went away. And it's just God with us, Emmanuel. And then we can say, how do you feel about me? Because my own thoughts and feelings are pretty rough. You can't have, you can't have the same mind. Tell me what, tell me what you see. Anything else you want to share about the journey before you kind of step into maybe uh, some examples of recently, you know, how, what your listening looks like and how you get back to joy from fear or from other emotions. Um, Anything else about the journey? Hmm. I don't know. You've definitely practiced a lot. You, yeah. you <laughs> once you made, once you, you took the invitation, you kind of dove all in and started consuming every single practice or resource you could 
to, to really uh, grow a healthy attachment with God. It seemed like Mm -hmm. you were like, okay, if I'm in, I'm in, let's grow this. Like, let's, let's get healthy and try to emotionally mature and dive into community getting on a leader team with Luke 10. And um, of course you started working for us too, with us. And that's been a joy. Um, You know, lived in in Nashville for a little while so we could even be community together. Um, So it seemed like you dove all in lots of practice lots of intentionality. You know, I would, I remember emailing you or talking to you and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go hang out with Jesus. Gonna go. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. And you just it really sought that out, but not out of a duty or shame-based system at all, but because you were becoming alive, you were becoming vibrant and you just wanted to do that. Yeah. I also love learning. And when you, when you start to realize that you can learn about yourself with with God together, like, oh, that's cool. Like, what else am I going to learn about me or about the system that I used to live in versus now? Um, it was exciting and thrilling. And like you said, there was lots of practice. Um, and probably for the first time, practice where I could fail and I did fail and I didn't feel bad about failing, but I can try it again. <laughs> um And that was just very beautiful. Mm. Well, over the years, you know, you would share with me the moments that you had with God and, um, and Jesus in particular, and the ways that uh, memories would be healed and paradigms would be shifted. And so I'm wondering if you would be willing to share with us today, one of those moments. So when you asked me to think of an appreciation moment or one of these interactions, Um, it was actually one of the first, first times I started playing around with a manual prayer and a manual journaling and listening, healing. Um, and I think I'm going to go with that one and then we can get into the, the, the book and the four, four keys to parent fearlessly. And I like to add four keys to self parent fearlessly. (laughs) Maybe that's the next book. (laughs) Maybe yeah, yeah. Out there. Just different wow. stories. <laughs> anyway, I was wondering what um, the title would be. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because hey, we got a lot of parenting to do on ourselves, you know. Um, but one of my first interactions, um, getting getting to that interaction was really hard because I didn't have I didn't have physical moments, and I wasn't sure if it needed to be a physical memory. Mm. And Tony leaned in on it. You can use your imagination. What would this look like in your mind? Where would you be? You know, what would, what would be happening? And all of a sudden I closed my eyes and I imagined the interactive pet me station at an aquarium, but instead of stingrays and fish that you could pet, it was, a map of my world. There was a big mountain that was covered in clouds. There was a pasture with rocks and a little pool. There was a city. There was tons of stuff in this map, but here I was in the present looking down on it, almost as if I could touch it and play with it. And I would go to that that place in my mind often, you know, ask Jesus, where am I? where are you? Sometimes we would be next to the pool, next to the pond, 
and just receiving peace. I'm pretty sure I stayed right there knowing that everything else was available. I stayed right there by the cool waters for like two years because that's all I could do. That's all I needed was to receive. That's Jesus right there beside you, but you're both at the water and you're just building joy. It sounds like just glad to be together. Glad to be there. Peace (laughs) and glad to be together. Yeah. Joy and quiet. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then eventually as I started practicing and really leaning into trust, we started working our way up this mountain together. Sometimes I'd be pushing a boulder. Other times he'd be like, why are you pushing the boulder? You don't need to do that. (laughs) Um, And just different, different moments and different scenarios in that interactive map that helped me regain peace, um, receive truth's perspective, realize I'm not alone, and then co-create new realities together. You don't actually have to try that hard. I'll do the heavy lifting. Like that's, that's peace giving. So it, it sounds like that he, you know, him and you created this, this image in your mind where you could go to find his presence quickly and then actually receive emotional support in whatever way you needed it. But not just that, also receive coaching for your personality, for the way you're living, for your decisions, for how to see things, maybe truth that, that you're missing. So you, you began, it sounds like, to even have this coaching relationship with God where he was um, helping you experience all of your life, all that life has to offer you through this interactive map. Is that what yeah. yeah, yeah. We could even tackle, you know, what's next? Where do I go from here? And you could just access that image wherever you were at any moment? Probably, if I needed it. <laughs> I mean, it just came to mind as we were talking, so that was... I didn't have to dig wow. far for that one. So you're telling me that when you need that piece, it comes to you even. You don't even have to go looking for it now. That that image just comes to you, it sounds like, whenever you need it uh, to find yeah. the peace that you need and to find his presence. Wow. That's a lot of practice. <laughs> it sounds yeah. much like that verse, train your body for righteousness, right? That you've now trained your body and your mind to such a degree that it automatically turns to righteousness. It automatically turns to Jesus in moments when you need it. Um, that's amazing. Beautiful. Anything else you want to share about that? So I've mentioned that it was a, a long process and it's been tons of practice and lots of years just a disclaimer. I felt so weird doing it the first time. It was so uncomfortable. I thought my imagination was like crazy and like, didn't want to like touch it and didn't want to let alone give it space to breathe and and be its own thing because, you know, it's bad and it's my imagination. Um, But learning to hear and see your imagination coupled with peace coupled with God and Jesus and the spirit is, is good. And learning again, to trust and lean into it because you're, you might be experiencing it or you can experience it. And if you have an experience, it's really hard to deny that it happened. 
like this, this happened, this happened in your heart, your heart got dented (laughs) and then it was seen. So it sounds like, you know, what you're saying is again, that, that belief that even our imaginations are so corrupt that we can't engage them with God. We have to shut that down because that's a bad thing. It could lead to all kinds of heresy, right? And this new paradigm that maybe God created my imagination, (laughs) maybe he made it so we can feel his presence. So we can engage with him and let him become all of those things to us. Maybe it was designed to be a part of our relationship with him in a redeemed way. And maybe um, he can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love how gently you're, you're pushing into those, those paradigms, just maybe. Maybe. Um, And how freeing that is. And, you know, again, I know that in our experience and in our practice, there's always, you know, is this congruent with scripture? Um, And we always talk about that, you know, where in the Bible do you see this happening with other people? Um, And then even um, communally, you know, sharing it in community and the community going, yeah, that sounds like God to me, Hillary, that he definitely does that with me too. And so there's, you know, some safeguards around us. Like you said, you weren't doing this all by yourself, you know, just writing a new Bible. Like that's not what, what's going on here. Not what we're saying. (laughs) Don't listen to what we're not saying. Right. But you're definitely, um, letting God redeem the imagination and, um, and use that created part of us that he gave us to really connect with him, um, in ways that are experiential and not just in words that, you know, that we read off a page. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank and you. And your episode on imagination and scripture is a beautiful place to start. If this is curious for you, um, start there. Yeah. Yes. Right. We can, that is, that's a great place to start letting God use our imagination, right. Is through scripture. Beautiful. Anything else you'd like to share today about your journey towards being more joy-filled and Jesus-led? So when you first asked me to be a guest on this podcast, I had a story ready, uh, and that was probably two months ago. (laughs) Uh, And we've had a different podcast interview since, and then we've just had this one. Um, But I still haven't shared that story, and I think I need to. Yeah, I would love for you to share that story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been married two years, and marriage is a beautiful opportunity for me to practice, um, to practice living in my new paradigm and to practice learning and recognizing when my old paradigm is creeping up. So we got married in August and then uh, basketball season started. If you're familiar with the NBA, uh, it goes on late and my husband loves basketball I'm learning too. It's great. It's fun. But I would go to bed before him. And I would get a little like upset and angry that like he wasn't coming to bed, not even like coming to bed like with me, but at all. You know, he'd fall asleep on the couch and spend, you know, all night on the couch. And our couch was not that comfortable. It's very comfortable, but it wasn't that comfortable. Our bed was way more comfy and I was in it. So, I was dealing, struggling with like, I'm not important enough. He doesn't value me enough. I haven't been a good wife to make him want to, you know, get in 
bed with me at night. Um, <laughs> which is funny if you're listening, you feel free to laugh out loud. Um, and so I, I'd go through, uh, you know, pretty regularly, just, just anger. Um, and I did the, the Brene Brown thing. And I wrote some, some messy first draft letters to him that he never got. And I hope he never sees, um, cause they were awful. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. Like this, that, and the other, just blaming and just getting that out there. And then, you know, it wouldn't really work. I would still feel unsettled. So I'd have to go to an abiding place. I'd have to go to appreciation to be able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. The problem kept happening. And the problem specifically, it's not him and him coming to bed. The, the problem was my anger mm-hmm. and my disappointment mm-hmm. and my, my fear of not being enough was coming into play. I was like, ah. so I started tackling it in all the ways I knew how I incorporated all my skills, everything, you know, I already mentioned Brene Brown, but also like Byron Katie and the work. And so I turned it around. I'm not loving myself enough. What can I do to love myself? And I, each time I just get to a spot and be like, well, there's nothing more I can do. There's nothing more I can do. Um, and then Tony came out with this book. What year did we, what year did you publish it? 2021? (laughs) this year 2021 so like two years into marriage I get this book four keys to parent fearlessly and I'm reading it and I'm like oh my goodness wait a minute I'm just afraid like all of these all of these emotions are describing fear wow like Mm. I think it's fear of losing the relationship like when it boiled all the way down to it like wait I'm not alone. I'm not alone in life because I have God's peace with me and I have peace with me always, but I'm also not alone in this marriage. I am not the only person here. And then I sat down and I started journaling about being the only person in the marriage and receiving truth and receiving peace. And then then the, the trust part came in. Now, real quick, just for people, I'm going to ask you specifically when you're sitting down, recognizing you're not alone, what images came to mind? Was it the, the same one with peace and the, the, the little pond that you already shared with us, or was it just some other appreciation memory that you were lodging yourself in? I think specifically in this moment, it was, um, memories when, my husband was seeing me and when he was there um and I was like oh wait how silly of me to think I'm the only person in this marriage the only one who wants to grow like no (laughs) like we're in a we're in a marriage together (laughs) wow I'm not alone here Wow. So realizing you're not alone. One was feeling God's peace because you know he's with you, but God actually bringing these appreciation memories of you and your husband and God going, mm-hmm. you're not, he's there. He loves you. So almost God going to bat for your husband to some degree in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really like really pressing in on the, um, the paradigm that the wife has to do everything to serve the husband um, and to make the husband happy. And I lived in that for a while and I thought I was done with it. I mean, like, goodness, I'm married. Like, we're <laughs> like, I'm done with that. 
but it still came up. Um, and I was laying in bed when all this was happening and just journaling. He was obviously falling asleep downstairs on the couch. And I started to craft um, this text to him and it happened to be a, a long text. I'm pretty good at those. Um, but I was able to tell him what I was feeling, what I was dealing with, and then ask him for help. And to like that last R is to respond by co-creating new realities. Um, and I, I asked him, you know, like, what can we, what can we do? Like, I am really struggling here. This is, this is what I dealt with. And the next morning he read my text and he, he came really close to me. I kind of opened my eyes and I saw the softest, kindest, caring eyes staring back at me. And he just held me like, I love you. And then later that day we had a date and we talked all about it and we, <laughs> and we figured out something that worked well for us. So wow. surprisingly wow. now I don't, um, I don't have anger when he falls asleep on the couch <laughs> because wow. here's, here's another truth. So sometimes not always is truth's perspective, like God's word, mm-hmm. but it's situational truth too. Mm-hmm. being he's tired and just fell asleep. Yes. Period. You don't need to read into he's tired. He just fell asleep. He's tired, period. He just fell asleep. It has nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> nothing to do with me. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, what I what I love and, and just want to highlight in your story is that um, you know, you were you recognized fear was there. So we're working the four R's. You recognized fear was there. And then realized you weren't alone because God was there and you have that peace with him that you can feel his comfort when you need it. And so he was comforting you. And then he was also bringing you memories, appreciation memories of how much your husband really does love you and how he does see you. So that kind of fought these lies that I'm going to lose him. I'm not good enough for him. He doesn't love me. You know, all of those kind of lies that might've been there. And you started receiving that truth. Mm-hmm. Then out of that, you could invite, you could one, be vulnerable and share your needs mm-hmm. and invite your husband to help you meet that somehow. Right. And yeah. that was like a new, a whole new reality. You had never thought that you could do like you, that's not usually modeled for us in our marriage relationships. Usually we see someone get mad and blow up at people. So you could have easily gone downstairs and thrown something at him and told him he, you know, he's a jerk of a husband for not coming to bed with you, you know, or just given him. I'm the- sure I was very <laughs> passive aggressive throughout those first two years before I sent that text. Very slightly <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah, the cold shoulder, the, you know, the distance, the, you know, banging things every now and then. I mean, you know, we have ways of living these things out, right? And so to kind of process this in a way that a new option becomes available that you never even knew was there. Oh my goodness. You mean I can be vulnerable and share a need I have or a want I have or a weakness that I have and ask for his, his tenderness and his input and his help. Uh, not blaming him for my own stuff, right? Yeah, the stuff that I'm, yeah. But at the same time, telling him my desires, right? My hopes for our marriage, my desires. Um, and that that was met with such beauty in this case, which is wonderful. Not always so in marriages, right? But but just that that beautiful way that that was met by him. And um, 
And so early in marriage, y'all are learning this. That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've worked through problems together. It's always um, us against the problem. Um, But for some reason I couldn't, I couldn't see this as something we needed to solve. It was something I needed to solve so that he would be happier. And that's, that's the lie. Like, oh my goodness. What about, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate hearing your story and think it's, it's so beautiful to see, to be able to see the intricacies of this, right? Because people say things like, oh, I got over myself and then I was able to invite my husband, right? What does that look like? (laughs) Cause that's a whole process, right? Years of messy work and crying. lots of feeling crying owning owning our own stuff letting jesus speak truth to us getting a new reality right a new plan in place so well thank you so much for sharing today um it's a it's a privilege to be able to watch your relationship with god and learn more about him because of how you and 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 the trinity um relate to each other it's it's just beautiful so thank you so much for coming and being vulnerable and sharing today hillary Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to season two of Joy Filled and Jesus Led. In season three, you will hear about the most helpful resources currently out there that aim at training the body of Christ to grow a secure attachment to God and others. These collaborative organizations are relationally connected within their leadership and together they offer a comprehensive training for individuals and organizations. I can't wait to interview some of these people in these organizations. Until next time.